Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, May, it's here. We've Finally. Prog- we've progressed six years in COVID-19 time. <laughs> but yeah. It's uh, true. It is true. But thank God it's here. Yeah, we've been waiting. We have waited a very, very long time, and I'm okay with that. However, with that said... Uh, Bonnie, this is a historic week in terms of looking back at tornadoes, especially around your neck of the woods. And so we want to spend a little bit of time talking about May 3rd. Um, and you're hearing this show, we're taping it May 1st. But uh, May 3rd is a day in history that will live forever, a day in infamy, I guess you would say, that will live forever mm-hmm. in the state of Oklahoma. Yes, May 3rd, 1999. Hard to believe that's been 21 years. But that was one of the bigger tornadoes that has come through Moore. Well, and south of Moore as well. And it's, I was really young and I was living up in western Oklahoma City. So I was out of the line of fire when it actually came through. But that was a crazy day all around. It was a significant outbreak in this area of the country, but that was by far the. The most remembered tornado is May 3rd. And right. you don't even have to say 99 anymore. Like you just say May 3rd. And most people are like, oh, yeah, I remember May 3rd. Correct. Officially known as the 1999 Bridge Creek Dash Moore tornado, mm-hmm. locally referred to as the May 3rd tornado, was an extremely and extraordinary powerful EF5 in which the highest winds ever measured globally recorded at 301 miles per hour. By a Doppler on wheels. Isn't that crazy? It what is. category hurricane is that? Uh, well, 301 would be a Cat 5. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, and give or take, and according to Wikipedia, give or take 20 miles an hour. But still, you know, it's considered the strongest tornado ever recorded to have affected a metro area. The tornado mm-hmm. devastated uh, southern portions of Oklahoma City, along with the surrounding suburbs and towns during the early evening of Monday, May Third, nineteen ninety nine, the tornado covered thirty eight miles during its eighty five minute existence, destroying thousands of homes, killing thirty six people plus an additional five indirectly, and leaving roughly a billion dollars damage in nineteen ninety nine dollars, ranking as the fifth costliest on record, not accounting for uh, inflation. Isn't that ridiculous? And it almost hit uh, Tinker Air Force Base. Correct. Which would have been also disastrous so like i said there is really good coverage with really good video some very intense scary video uh, especially when it's crossing i-35 at southwest 89th street that's some of the craziest video ever definitely worth a watch shoot i'm probably going to watch it when we get off of here after we're done recording <laughs> as you should not and, and i will it's too. so good right it's so good um, a lot of things came out of the storm, obviously, and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about, you know, the extent we've talked about the extensive coverage, um, you know, 
National Weather Service said, said roughly that maybe 600 people would have died had it not been for the uh, advance warning through local TV stations or radio stations. Proper precautions were exercised. Um, because Oklahoma is historically prone to tornadoes, duh, you know, TV stations, <laughs> K4, Coco TV, KWTV, each provided continuous coverage of the outbreak that spawned the Bridge Creek Moore tornado. And it's a soon aftermath from the event start on the afternoon of May 3rd and through the evening of May 4th. Long relied on state-of-the-art radar technology and visual confirmation from news helicopters and in-house storm-chasing fleets to cover these storm-severe uh, weather events. The three network affiliate stations, other local media outlets, and the National Weather Service also routinely conducted various tornado prep symposiums to ensure tornado our residents undertake precautions in the event. So uh, we talk about you know media playing a role, National Weather Service playing a role in expanding watches and warnings. But, um, you know, we look to Oklahoma City as kind of the, gosh, what do we want to say? They're, you guys are the test kitchen, right? So uh-huh. you guys understand that it's okay to have a, you know, relationship with your government office. It's okay to, you know, spend time breaking into coverage for stuff like this because, you know, when you have an EF5 rolling through Oklahoma City, that's a very big deal. Yes, uh, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's a huge deal anywhere, but the Oklahoma City metro and surrounding suburbs, like more and everything, is, you know, over a million people. So it's not just out in the middle of nowhere, because there's a lot of parts of Oklahoma that are the middle of nowhere, and there's like one house, you know, so... Right. Which that one house matters, but I'm just saying when there's an EF5 with 301 mile per hour winds blowing through a very densely populated area, then all TV has to stop and all news stations have to cut in and cover it top to bottom, beginning to end. Because, and you know, and like I said, heading towards an Air Force base, like that's a big deal as well. So, right, definitely worth it. And we're a little more lenient around here to breaking into regular programming. Now there's still those people who are like, well, it's not even in my neighborhood. Why does it matter? But that's going to be everywhere, but we're still, we're just a little bit less crazy about it and we're more understanding. And I love it as we've talked about. No, exactly. And I, and I'm with you too. I mean, all you have to do is, you know, send me a text that says DP is on and I'm like, Oh, game on. Let's go. You know, <laughs> by the way, Roku has a news nine streaming channel. Okay. Good to know. I'll have to pick up Roku so. just to have that. Um, I do watch some of their Facebook stuff. Cause that way it actually doesn't kick me off top of the hour. Like the, the, uh, streaming does on, uh, news com, But we will, we, this is not a commercial for David Payne. Anyways, um, <laughs> you know, May 3rd to me as, you know, weather geek living out on the West coast was an impressive day because, you know, again, we knew that there were going to be strong storms. We didn't know to the extent what they would be, but you know, when the weather channel is breaking in and taking live coverage from an Oklahoma affiliate, you watch and I did. And, you know, May 3rd, it was in the afternoon. I was already home from school. I was a senior in high school in 1999. And, you know, watching that was fascinating to watch this tornado blow through a metro metropolitan area and really do the amount of damage that it did was eye opening to me. And I knew obviously tornadoes were, you know, devastating and killed people and did lots of damage. But every time that, you know, growing up that I had saw, um, or read or, you know, interacted with any type of tornado literature, it's always, Oh, it's in the middle of an open field. Oh, it's in the middle of a Kansas plain. And again, I, you know, maybe I was naive at the time, but you got to remember that's all the stuff 
that you know that's what we got and that's where we were in 1999 and yes i understand now that tornadoes go through metropolitan areas it happens we've seen dallas gosh look at in the last two years right yeah dallas multiple times well in nashville oh yeah nashville oklahoma city i the list continues and if you even go back 10 years birmingham mm-hmm. alabama atlanta i mean salt lake city Right. I mean, yeah. you don't expect to get a tornado in Salt Lake City and look what happens. They're there for an, a- an AMS conference and you get a, you know, you get a tornado that goes through Salt Lake City. So tornadoes, what great timing. <laughs> oh, it is. And, you know, you look at it, but you're like, OK, this is this is a real deal. But ninety nine opened my eyes to that. This stuff is is extremely serious. Well, and then, you know, not to jump ahead because this will be a later episode this month, but for it to happen again. Right. In the same spot, basically taking the same path is nuts. Nuts. So, I mean, within a short time span, you know what I mean? Like, if that it was 14 years apart and not right. like 50 years apart, you know? So, yeah, that's anyway. So, like I said, later show, but it's just, it's, this is a very prime location right, right down and, the center of the country. Right. And I mean, if you watch the Weather Channel special on the two more tornadoes, they find the exact spot, poor. You know, Farmer John's, you know, you know, Farmer Equipment Implement Store, whatever you want to call it, John Deere dealership, whoever, um, crosses this exact same area. And you're like, hold up here. But that's yeah. it, it does happen. And you're right. 14 years apart. That's 14 chase seasons. That's not yeah. that's, you know, that's a guy in college, you know, at OU and 13, 14 years later out chasing still in the exact same area. Yeah, exactly. And and that's some of the crazy stuff is, you know, like David Payne, for example, chased May 3rd and May 20th, 2013 was one of his very last storm chases. And he chased that big one again through more. And he just was like, I can't. Can you imagine two events like that in your career? No. You can't. That's crazy. In the same location. It's not even like, oh, and then the other one went through like Dallas or something like, no, like the same highways, the same towns, the same, like deja vu. Like I just, it would be like, you know, another hurricane Katrina coming into new Orleans in in the next, you know, four or five years, which knock on wood won't happen. But you know, that possibility always exists. Um, and you know, now we're a month away from hurricane season. So we'll start looking at the tropics here in not too distant future. But you know, when you look at a storm like May 3rd, and you look at the other big tornadoes that have gone through the Oklahoma City metro area. You understand now why that you do have these TV stations that put out these resources mm-hmm. because it is important. There's a reason why TV stations have their own Doppler radar. There's in addition to having access to the National Weather Service radar because yep. they understand that this stuff means business and lives can be lost. Property can be damaged. Um, you know, as a TV guy, I am geeked out by this stuff. I love the fact that you guys have chase teams for all of your TV stations. I love that most of the TV stations have, you know, their own radar or, you know, have some cool side product that they get to use. We went through that. They all have a chopper also. Oh yeah. And we know it's funny. We used to, um, out here in Portland and this will be a little digress, but it's, it's an interesting topic. So one of my best friends in high school moved back to England where his dad is English. His mother was American, but he, um, because his dad worked for the English railroad, part of the, the compensation package is your child gets to go to free at any country university. And so my 
friend after high school is like, I'm moving back to England and my school's paid for. Okay. But when he was here in 1999, you know, 97 through 99, when we were really close, all the TV stations in Portland had their own chopper, all four of them. And the NBC affiliate had their own radar. And that was cool and groundbreaking. It's like, ooh, you know, we have our own Doppler, blah, blah, blah. Well, fast forward to today. All four of the same TV stations exist, but they share one helicopter. Wow. And they split the footage. Two stations get it in the morning, two get it in the afternoon. And if there's breaking news, then all four of them have access to the feed. But, wow. yeah, it is, it's very strange. The TV station that I interned for and you know worked at at the time we had two helicopters one of them crashed harvesting christmas trees which was a very weird story in the end but um (laughs) you know we went from having five to four helicopters in the market and then now we have one but it's just it's how technology changes and how you know the cost is exorbitant there's a reason why when you watch like news nine or coco tv or k4 they have sponsorships attached to these because these other companies mm-hmm. are paying for them to say it. There's a reason why it's the Bob, Mill, you know, Red Mills. Bob you know, Moore Chopper. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Or it's, you know, Val and Amy Casters, you know, Dodge Truck or whatever brand they're driving. And so yeah. the sales department of these stations do a really good job of tying these sponsors in. And that's how they have the money to do all this stuff. But. You know, I as as a TV guy, I am geeked out the fact that you guys all have your own choppers, you have your own chase teams, and that's important because it is one of those things where you have to have that in that market. Yeah. You have to have it. Same with Tulsa and Dallas, and you know there are some NBC owned and operated stations across the country where they have their own mobile Doppler radar, which is fantastic. I know there's one in Dallas, there's one in LA, and I think one in New York slash Boston. But the thing called Storm Ranger, where it's a Doppler radar mounted on wheels, and they take it around. They're like, oh, check it out. You know, we can position the radar anywhere we want, and we can do this to, you know, help track the storm. That's cool to me. But that all stuff, that all comes out of what you guys are doing in Oklahoma City, TV-wise and research-wise at OU. Well, and the thing is, like, these news stations have to have a team of chasers, not just one or two because like we even saw last week there was four storms yep. all tornado warned and there is times where there's four or five six severe storms going on at once and they have them all covered because we just have that many people and you know one storm might get more attention than the other of course especially if it's you know got a tornado warning on it but the point is like that that's the norm around here is to have multiple severe storms happening at once that the need is actually there to have six, seven, eight different right. storm team chasing teams. So, right. and you know, we don't. Again, this is not supposed to be a commercial for Oklahoma News Nine, but it just kind of turns out that way. You know, they have their sister station in Tulsa, and I've watched mm-hmm. plenty of coverage where you know David Payne is calling in the guys that are that are chasing based mm-hmm. out of Tulsa because they need them. Because yep. you have a big enough day where, you know, maybe Tulsa's not going to be necessarily be in the action, but Oklahoma City and the surrounding metro is. You want to get or as Tulsa many- will be in it later, so they exactly. can just chase from the west side of Oklahoma all the way to the east side. Right, and we've seen them crazy. do that, and we've seen them go north yep. to south, and that to me, again, as a TV junkie and as a guy that loves that type of stuff, I'm I'm just floored that you get to see that every day. That's so cool to me. Well, and I, I think I've said this before on other podcast is it's been the norm growing up and so for 30 years it's been the norm for me and it's to see other states and stuff not have it 
doesn't make sense to me, but I mean, now it does as an adult, but you know, younger me was like, I thought this was just how every news station worked everywhere, but now I get it. (laughs) No, it's true. But I mean, it's, it's great. The technologies that they have pioneered make their Mm -hmm. way to other markets and it's very beneficial, but let's go back and talk about May 3rd, 99. Um, Talk about what you remember. And I know you were a little bit younger, but talk about what you remember from that day. Well, I, you know, it's so crazy because I, six days later was my ninth birthday. So I was eight, basically nine, whenever this happened. And I, it's so crazy that I don't remember a whole lot. I remember sitting in the hall closet with my sister. I guess mom just put us in there in case, because, you know, of course that wasn't the only storm in the state. So I'm sure that was part of the reason was, Hey, just get in the closet in case we need to be. But the hall closet kind of looked like into the living room. And so mom was sitting in there watching TV and this was eight-year-old me, and so I wasn't, I hadn't gotten my taste of weather yet, so I wasn't super obsessed and didn't know what I was hearing. Okay. But I do know she was watching the news. I do know it was very intense and that I was kind of freaking out because we were in the closet. And so I remember yelling at mom to get in the closet because I didn't know what was going on. I just knew, okay, I'm in the closet. That must mean Armageddon. So mom, you need to be in the closet. So, but she didn't get in the closet and we didn't, nothing happened. Right. And I remember the next day being at school and it was just very like somber and quiet. And there was just a weird vibe in the air that I still didn't fully understand because I was young. I didn't know anything about anything. And that that's it. Like, that's really what I remember. And then just over the years have just learned and watched footage and, of course, know what that day was all about, but I wish that I had paid better attention. But, you know, you're eight years old. What are you going right, to do? Right, exactly. And looking back now, obviously hindsight is, you know, what it is, but yeah. Um, yeah. But eight-year-old you, that's an experience that most people never get. I've never had to be in a, you know, put into a closet because of a tornado warning. You know, I've never had to, you know, the closest I can say to that is, um, Gosh, 1995, so you were four, I was 14, 13. Um, December 12th, we had a giant windstorm, and that's kind of our big weather thing out here on the West Coast is, you know, yeah, we get earthquakes, and yeah, we have volcanoes, but we have, we're susceptible to windstorms. And we hadn't really had a big one since the Columbus Day storm, which was the remnants of an old typhoon that had come across the Pacific and hit a very active jet stream and poof, things spins up again. And, you know, you have 100 mile an hour gusts in downtown Portland. So, you know, we're looking at this storm coming off. And I remember watching the TV and all the weather guys are like, this is going to be a big deal. And they show the satellite and this thing is classic pinwheel low. And they're like, the track is right where you want it to be for a major valley windstorm and trees are going to come down and it's saturated and we're going to be without power for days and you know, blah, blah, blah. And to just think and sit there and remember and be like, okay, I know that school got out early that day. I was awesome. on my, yeah, I was on my roof waiting for the wind to start until my mom freaked out. And I had to come down because I had, an well, anth- yeah, but I, you know, but I had an <laughs> anemometer up there. And so I was like, I want to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, we had large trees around the house, but nothing that, you know, I was worried about, but about, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, it starts blowing in and the power goes out. And, you know, at that point, mom was like, let's just go down into the basement. And it was a two story house and the basement, 
you know, was in theory underground. The windows were at ground level, and so we could still see out. We see you know trees swaying and branches falling, and you know that was kind of it. But you know, we get a call from my uncle later that a tree had not fallen on his house, but was leaning up against his house and had kind of done some damage. Um, a neighbor across the street had a tree come into their house. And, you know, a little kid was in there moments before and just totally one of those moments where they were lucky to be there and lucky to get out. And, you know, just watching other parts of my neighborhood and state have, you know, 80 mile an hour winds and, you know, debris blowing off the top of uh, skyscrapers in downtown Portland and sheet metal flying all around and a dock breaking loose on the Columbia and going from the Oregon side to the Washington side and all the boats go with it. And then once they hit the Washington side, they all capsize and it's just, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm just stuff happened like this. And so that was our big thing. And, you know, to go back and, you know, I'll send you the link so you can watch that storm, that storm recap. But uh, that was that's our big thing here, kind of in the Northwest, is, you know, we're waiting on that next real big windstorm. And, you know, we don't have tornadoes for the most part. Uh, occasionally we do, and they're usually on the weaker side when we do have them. But it's it's one of those things where we just don't, you know, we don't have that, that you know, thing of commonality between what you guys go through in Oklahoma and what we go through in Oregon because it is completely different. Our pattern is very much different than yours. But, you know, it's that part of you being in a closet is fascinating to me because I never experienced that. Well, and I've been and I've only had to get in a shelter like that, like a closet or the center hallway a few times. Um, Last year, right after I bought my storm shelter here in this new house, I I almost had to get in it like we were really close, but it kind of lifted before it got here. But I had my friend over and I was like, dude, I think. We're about to have to get in this shelter. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the norm around here. Like, they say go to your safe place, and we all know what that is. Of course, they always go over the different types of safe places. But, yeah, like everybody, for the most part, knows where to go. Um, I want to say we had helmets in that closet, but I wasn't wearing it at the time, I don't okay. think. But, yeah, we definitely did have helmets, and we kept them in that hall closet. Uh, earlier this week, you guys had storms come through and you had posted some pictures. We put it on our Twitter page at weather podcast. I noticed your neighbor has a storm shelter, like out your front door. Yes. That is pretty legit. And it's an in-ground one too. Yeah. And that's, that's the norm. A lot of people have those big ones with the little vent thing and everything Yeah, in their front yard. A lot of people do. And I really, really, really didn't want it in my front yard like that. And that's why I went with the above ground safe room. I thought about putting it in my backyard, but they come put together and they dig the hole and put it in. And I just didn't think that they could get it into my backyard because I didn't think there was space between houses to get it back there. And so I just looked around at different options and that's why I got the safe room. But yeah, the front yard, Storm shelter is definitely a thing. How big is that storm shelter? That one, she told me, I want to say it holds four to five people. Okay. But she's like, I'll cram half the neighborhood and their pets in it if I need to. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, four or five comfortably, but yeah, you can put, you know, probably a bunch more in there if you guys all get real close. Outside of Well, and and honestly, it's not very long unless something falls on the top of it. but. For the most part, 15, maybe 20 minutes, and then it's out of your area and you can come out. But right. like I said, in case something falls on it. And that's part of why I didn't want to put an in-ground in my garage. Although if you do, it is registered and 
they know that you have it. And so right. emergency management will like check. They, it's like, it kind of moves you to the top of the list. They go, okay, these are all the people with registered storm shelters. This, they, these people are in the area that was hit. We need to check them first. Make sure that they're not like trapped in their shelter because right. the house fell on it or a tree is blocking it or whatever. Well, that's very smart. That is, that's also very good to know. Um, yep. And I know with yours that you got, you have the ability to take it apart from the inside if your primary way out is blocked. Yes. It's it's a bunch of panels that are super thick metal with these big giant bolts, but they put the... Look, I'm not going to act like I know anything about tools or metal or welding or any of that crap, but they put whatever the tool is in there. It's a wrench. There you go. <laughs> And and it comes apart anywhere. Like so, if stuff's on all four sides but not on the roof, I can take apart that top roof panel and and get it off and climb out somehow. But it, but the point is, I won't be trapped in there. Right. And there's little vents and stuff like that, so it's not like I'll just be in there baking with no fresh air or anything. So it's a really nice shelter. Got some lights in there too, like little lights around the top so it's nice it's nice i like it yeah it's 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 nice to have and i'm glad that you mm-hmm. have it there because um you know you never know but it, it it could easily save your life one day oh yeah and i'd much rather have it and never need it than need it one time because you know this right. is more you know right. like give it 14 more years and who knows so right. exactly I, I mean and you know the way things are going now you know the month of april was extremely you know, tornado heavy and, you know, we're above the curve for where we should be this time of year, according to SPC. And you go back and you look at their month end stats, which they put out yesterday. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. You know, there were a lot of, you know, there were four EF four tornadoes in the month. Um, two of them in Mississippi, but a lot of tornadoes early. And now that we're into now the more, you know, true, you know, peak of tornado season, it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. No. Um, I will say we don't have any severe weather chances coming up in the next five or six days. However, that could change. But I mean, I just, you know, give it a couple of days and it'll be like, okay, the 10th through the 15th looks to be active. And that's like, that's the norm is it's a very quick pattern change. And we've already seen where for the first part of April, all the severe weather was, you know, in Dixie Alley and Mississippi and Alabama and everything. And then as April started to approach May, it started to move west and there started to be more severe weather chances in my neck of the woods. So that just shows you like, here it is. It's, it's our time now. It really is. And like you said, you know, May 3rd is kind of the, the precursor to what we saw with, you know, the other more tornado later in the month. And then of course what El Reno did, but Bonnie, May is that time where Oklahoma is under the gun for large tornadoes. Yep. And it's it's time. And so it's time for everybody to get a plan in place and know where you're going to go. And especially right now, I mean, I know stuff's opening back up, but I don't know what that means for shelter. So right. if that's what you rely on, you need to check because, you know, we're running out of time to figure out your options so and for those of you that you know and i know a lot of people that listen to the show understand where to go for information but if for some reason you stumble across the show and you're not sure you know how to check call your local fire department call your Mm -hmm. local police station call your emergency manager 
They will tell you what is open, what is available, if there are any hour restrictions on it or people restrictions on it, especially with stuff, you know, like you said, opening up from COVID-19. Where can you go? What can you do? How can you be prepared? These folks will be able to tell you, or if they can't tell you, they'll be able to put you in touch with somebody that can. Exactly. And that's their job. That is their job is to protect the public. So if you need to know something, please call. Most cities have where you can send a message or an email and they'll respond in the next day or two. So even if it's the middle of the night and you just get in a panic and you're like, I need to, to know, you can send them a message in most cases. So right. Call the National Weather Service office. They're all staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, obviously, if they're super busy, maybe not call them at that moment. But I mean, if again, if you're in the middle of the night, it's 3 a.m. and you're got some questions about something, call your National Weather Service office. Call yep. your local man- emergency management. Call your fire station. They'll be able to put you in touch with people or provide the information you're looking for. And it's a very valuable resource. And I just wish more people would understand that because that is something that is very important. Yeah. And it saves lives. And please don't wait until 10 minutes before the tornado is about to hit you for you to figure out what you're going to do. This is the time. Right. If you're big on social media, again, follow us weather at Weather Podcast. Bonnie and I and our show, we are Weather Ready Nation Ambassadors. Um, mm-hmm. There is a link to that on our Twitter page at the very top. Click on that. That has great information and great resources for ways to be prepared in storm season or any season for that matter. Uh, the information is out there. You just have to find it. And again, we hope that everybody is. There's a reason why we say if you know that severe weather is going to threaten your area, keep your phone charged, keep a radio on you, stay close to a TV, maybe have a weather radio, because all these things will be able to provide information that will save your life. Yep. Yep. The weather radio, battery operated weather radio is probably the best one. So yep. everyone needs to have that. And you know what? Don't judge me. I don't have one. Well, we're gonna have to get you one. I know. <laughs> That's on my list one. of things to get, but I always have my phone charged. Right. So there's that. No, but you know, listen, you can get. There are multiple weather radios, and I have, gosh, probably four or five of them, just like you know, in different places. You know, one's plugged in, one's not. But um, just having access to it is important because you never know when that alarm goes off. It can save your life. Mm-hmm. The only reason I justify it is because I already know when things are going to happen. So right. I'm already aware, you know what I mean? So if it's going to happen in the middle of the night, chances are I'm not sleeping anyway. Right. And Bonnie so. doesn't sleep. Bonnie doesn't sleep when there's severe weather anyways, because she'll send me a text at two o'clock in the morning, my time, which is 4am your time. I'm like, dude, check this out. And I'm just like, Hey, yeah, I'm totally not sleeping right now, but I'm watching. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm not, you know, as concerned about myself, not having one, but a lot of people, don't pay attention and don't know when and where and all that. And that's what their weather radio is for to wake you up in the middle of the night to get you moving. Yeah. And it has to, because there are times, like you said, where you're not necessarily, maybe you're, maybe you're a little tired and you're not necessarily paying attention and you Mm -hmm. don't hear the thunder outside or see the lightning, you know, come through your window. It's, it's important to know what's happening. And your phone doesn't always alert you. Like I don't always get the warnings and stuff on my phone. I don't know why, Maybe I need to check my settings, but it doesn't always go off. But when it does, it's obnoxious, but you can't rely on your phone. Nope. You really need to have the weather radio. Yep. It is It is something that's very important. Well, 
you know, we look back at May 3rd and like I said, we look forward to the other tornadoes uh, historically that have come through Oklahoma in the month of May. And yes, Mm -hmm. May is that big tornado month. But, you know, thankfully you guys don't have anything for the next couple of days. Um, I actually had a bunch of severe weather come through the eastern part of Oregon a couple of days ago. Nothing too big. I mean, some penny size and quarter size hail and, you nice. know, 65 mile an hour winds. But it was it was really cool to kind of see that um, see that happen. But I'm bummed it wasn't closer to here because I'm not going to necessarily drive 300 miles to see it. Uh, if yeah. I would have had more free time and a little bit more cash, I would have. But um you know, such as life. I'll I'll catch a couple severe thunderstorms in Central Oregon this summer at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, our severe weather event that we had uh, was pretty good. I mean, not here in, in my neck of the woods. We kind of avoided the hail, which was good. Just bought a new car. Not trying to deal with right. that. <laughs> but <laughs> but there was some pretty decent hail out, like, on the western sides of Oklahoma City, out in El Reno and Yukon. They had some spiky golf balls coming down. Yes, they down. did. And it looked pretty legit. I love the spiky hill. I think that's so cool looking. It is cool. And it just shows you that there is a lot of, you know, vertical movement within the thunderstorm to, you know, to keep these things afloat per se. But uh, how cool. I mean, just seeing the seeing the photos of that were pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that combined with the wind because it got it got pretty windy. And right. that's always a dangerous combo. And of course. The, you know, the weather TV meteorologists are always having to tell people not to go out and grab the hail while it's hailing. <laughs> They're like, wait, Although wait. I'm guilty of doing that before. Well, of course. It's fine. You're of course. I mean, but then again, you know, nothing like taking a, you know, golf ball size, you know, hailstone to the head or the shoulder or heaven forbid a lemon size or a baseball because that's going to do some damage and probably kill you. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And I mean, hail has killed people before. It's, it has. It's rare, but it has. And I mean, because it's coming down from thousands and thousands of feet up. So gravity takes over and it's just like, you. Ter- terminal, terminal velocity of hail is something that is very fascinating. And then make it a spiky hail stone. And that's not even good. worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, again, severe weather is that season's here. Uh, I'm ready for it. I know you are too. Uh, again, just folks, just be prepared. That's, Mm -hmm. that's really what it comes down to. But, um, you mentioned no real severe threat chances happening for Oklahoma city, but what do you guys have forecast wise coming up? Um, we've got a cold front coming through that might give us a little bit of a chance of rain tomorrow, but just, just some rain, cool us off a little bit. Um, seems like it's going to be pretty nice next week. Maybe stuff will change and we'll get a little bit of a threat for severe weather. But right now it seems like it's just going to be pleasant. So, which I'm okay with that too. Nice spring days in Oklahoma are nice. Right. Well, out here in the Pacific Northwest, we're in that weird transition where come tomorrow, we have a really strong cold front that's coming in. It's actually, you know, generating itself right now in the Pacific Ocean. Um, They're saying winds sustained 35 to 40 higher gusts with some embedded thunderstorms um a pretty quick moving front it looks like it's going to go uh from the coast to the cascade so about 100 miles in overall length in about four hours so i mean the thing's moving pretty quick so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens weather wise with that uh but after that we stay in showers and then we get a pretty dominant ridge of high pressure there's a chance that we could be looking at temperatures by middle of next week toward the weekend 
approaching 80. So wow, this would be our real, our first real big warm up. And we had temperatures in the 70s last week, but uh, knock on wood that this actually verifies. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens. Well, you know, I hope you guys do start to warm up a bit. That'll be nice. I mean, that'll be our temperatures is high 70s, right. low 80s. We might get parts of Oklahoma, like far southwest, might approach 90 in the coming week, which is pretty warm, but especially because it'll also be pretty humid. But right. I mean, here we go. We're transitioning. So get out there and breathe in that warm air and kill that COVID that you're carrying around. Right now that everything's opening back up right. or whatever. Yes, and please don't inject Lysol or any oh. other cleaning products. Please, just please don't. It, it's not going to work. It's, no, not. it's not. It's going to have the opposite effect. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're going to die from something else. Um, exactly. They do say, though, and again, I know there's still research that needs to be done on this, that higher humidity and warmer temperatures are a good thing for this. So hopefully... Hopefully that's the case. So I would not mind seeing a pretty quick warm up across the country to, uh, if that is the case, kill off this thing because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being really stuck at home. I want to get out and do things. Yeah. Like I want things to go back to somewhat normal. Yes. Although even when we have a handle on this, I still, I think it's not going to be normal. I think this might change the way things are done i don't know how but i think that there might be a new normal yeah i agree i agree but you know we will see um we will see there's a lot out there to be said and a lot out there that needs to change and but uh it's just one day at a time i'm just ready for that one day to be tomorrow so (laughs) well the good thing about these kind of things and natural disasters like may 3rd and everything we we learn a lesson as as a group of species as a human population we learn different lessons and good things come out of these kind of things. It just takes a little bit of time for the good things to come to light. So I'm sure that there will be some silver linings that come out of this. We just, like you said, it's a waiting game to see what those are. Absolutely. And we cannot wait. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. Another great edition of B squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next weekend. Bye.